I felt their nerves. I felt their discomfort. Like, you know, that sixth sense we have when you're like on point. I felt it and missing. I talked about it and it was just, we just outlasted. And that's what we did better than anyone, you know? And then once you like crack the armor and you stick together, like people start falling apart, you know? And we never fell apart. Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Carrie Walsh Jennings. Carrie is the definition of a living legend. The winningest beach volleyball player of all time, Carrie has won three Olympic golds, one Olympic bronze, and three world championships. Her and longtime partner, Misty May Trainer, are considered the greatest team to ever step foot in the sand. At one point, they won a record 112 matches in a row. A mother of three, Carrie is still going strong today and is currently training for the Tokyo Olympics. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks, darling. <laughs> How are very you? Very smooth. You nailed it on the first run. Thank you. So we met back in 2016 at a speaking engagement. And I remember going into that being like, oh my gosh, I'm doing a speaking engagement with Carrie Walsh. Like, this oh, is so cool. Up. Yes, I like oh. totally totally idolized you and then got there. Oh no, shattered. No, 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 not shattered. I was like just hearing you speak and how you approach things and the way that you've handled your career and everything. I was just so inspired and I was like, man, I totally like love the way your mind works and your mentality and your your approach. So I've, I've been looking forward to this for a long time to sit down and, and talk about your career and just everything that's gone into it. So thank you. Well, thank you for that. It's so fun to do those things. It is. And to listen to other people on in their journeys and your story. Like I remember being like fired up when I left. I was like, hey, totally. I'm pretty sure I wrote a coach somewhere because some of the things that you said, I was just like, oh, these are words of wisdom. I need to remember these. So I'm pretty redundant. So get ready for (laughs) get ready for deja vu. (laughs) But I think that like redundancy shows that you've nailed it in the sense of like you understand what it takes and what needs to happen in terms of being successful and what you're going to do? I mean, I have to think so because it just reinforces, Mm -hmm. you know, what I want to keep living. Yes. Because just because I say it doesn't mean I live it. I want to. (laughs) I believe in it. But, you know, it's like the level of accountability you get when you speak to things um, is so important. Yeah. And it makes you you think about like you actually have to think on it, ponder, why do I do it this way? Why am I the way I am? That sort of thing. So I totally agree with you. But yeah. Let's go back to the beginning where it all started for you. So you grew up in Northern California. Give us a rundown on how you got introduced to volleyball. How did you get into it? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, in the very beginning, I was born to two athletes who were come from a family of athletes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had no choice in the matter. And I feel like when I talked to God before I came down, <laughs> like I had a landscape and I was like, I want to go with those people in that family because I want to develop myself as a lion and be competitive and learn about myself, you know, through that platform. And so my whole life, Kelly, has been sports, like from the minute go, you know, my parents. Which sports did your parents play? All of them, okay. like literally all of them. But my parents are just, they were my favorite athletes and I got to watch them compete. And both my grandfathers, like one of them's in the um, Hall of Fame at Santa Clara. No like way. two sports in the Orange Bowl. That's my dad, my mom's dad. And then my dad's dad, uh, he was a pro baseball player, pitching coach, coach of Santa Clara. And then my grandmother's just gnarly competitors in their own way. And so it's just in me, mm-hmm. you know? And so growing up, I played everything. I have a big brother. We're 11 months apart. So whatever he did, I did. 
everything was sports and I just fell in love with it. And I got to know myself through sports. I played baseball, basketball, um, soccer. It was terrible. I never understood the offsides rule. Literally. I'm like, get off me. I'm just hustling. (laughs) I never got it. It's okay. You're not the only person to not get it. (laughs) So I quit. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's pretty pathetic, really, because I wish I would have played soccer for much longer. I would have been so much better on my feet. I'm like perpetually Bambi. <laughs> no. But um, but no, so growing up, it was just that. And I grew up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is, you know, like God and nature and family and sport. Like that totally. was my life. That remains my life. And then I found volleyball in the fifth grade. It was offered at my school and I literally just fell in love the first moment. All my best friends were playing. It was the first girl-only sport I played, okay. which... I don't think I had a consciousness that this was different, but I just, there was like an ease and an at-homeness to it that that probably helped with. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So how soon did you go from picking up volleyball in fifth grade to volleyball being the only sport you were playing? When I got to college. Really? Mm -hmm. I played four years of high school basketball and the cross training was incredible. Mm-hmm. It just made me tougher. You know, I was center. I was like 5'11", weighed zero pounds, and I got my butt kicked every game. It pissed me off. It made me tougher. I had to develop myself in a lot of different ways, and I wanted to be the best volleyball player I could be, and that was part of my toolkit, you know, like enduring and suffering basketball. <laughs> got it. So at what point did you realize, okay, volleyball's it for me. I'm still going to play these other sports because I want to be the best in volleyball, but like at what point did you realize that you had it? I honestly, it's so weird because I'm still waiting to realize that. No, get out of here. No, I swear to God, like my insecurities are ridiculous. (laughs) No, it's, I know, but no, but at the same time, Kelly, like I, if you don't pick me to be on your team, you're, you're not a smart human. Like I know that you want me on your team. Trust me. If we're playing volleyball, I'm picking you. Don't worry. (laughs) Well, if we're playing most things you want me, let me just let you know that, but no, I'm kidding. So it's an interesting kind of dichotomy I have, but I just feel like the better I get, the more I realize it's kind of like the smarter you get, the more you realize you don't know anything. Totally. And I feel like that's certainly within the game. And I don't know if it's because like I used to just lean on my physicality and now the sport is so physical that the other sides of me are being developed more and there's like infinite room for, you know, potential and and excellence. So I think that's what I feel when I say that because I don't want to have false sense of humility. Like I I know I'm rad, I but I also know, man, I could play for 18 lifetimes and just scratch the surface. So Yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel that way in their sport. They're chasing not perfection, but excellence. And as an athlete, you understand that you'll never achieve perfection. So you're just always reaching for excellence. Yeah. Well, and yeah, just those little, like little bits of incremental improvement. For like sure. it's, it's just, for lack of a better word, it's just a drug mm-hmm. that keeps you wanting more. A lot of athletes have addictive personalities. Yeah. But no, the pursuit of like my potential and my growth and just me being a great, well-rounded human, it all, sport has given me that. For sure. So, so you, you, you don't know if you, or you don't know if you've realized you have it yet. However, you start in fifth grade, you end up going to Stanford for volleyball, not basketball. No. Um, and you end up being a four-time All-American at Stanford, two-time NCAA champion. So at that point, Where are you at in your career? Where are you at in your mentality? How are you looking at yourself as a volleyball player? I felt at home at Stanford. I felt like I belonged. Um, I was just hungry. You know, I'm not much of a forward thinker. I'm, I'm very much like I'm in the moment and I try to live right now really sincerely. And so my time at Stanford, I, 
I didn't really think of my time beyond the farm. Really? I just had no. And But that being said, my freshman year, um, it was 1996, and the Olympics had just happened in Atlanta, and we had a scrimmage against the national team. Okay. And that was preseason stuff. And so that was like my first kind of engagement with the next level. And I think I got one kill, and it was a horrific performance by me, when usually would devastate me, Kelly, but it like made me like, oh my God, if I can do that once, I can do it again. Because I felt like I was such a waif. I was 18, um, and I'm playing against these woman. Yes. (laughs) Like, so playing that, I think planted the seed for what would become the next step, which is the Olympics, you know, indoor. But I just enjoyed my time at Stanford so much, was so inspired. And obviously like our winning record, I was just on the best teams with the raddest coaches. So it was, it was a great time. Going into Stanford, did you know that you guys were going to be good? Did they already have that reputation as a volleyball team on the national stage? They did. A couple years prior, I want to say like 94, they had definitely won a championship and they were, yeah, they were a legacy program for sure already. I came in with a stacked junior class. Like if you're a volleyball player, you would know the names, like some of the best ever in collegiate volleyball were my upperclassmen. And the senior class that was going out, they were rad as well. But the junior class that I had two years with them to develop myself, to be inspired by them and guided by them. And that really made all the difference. So you say you're not forward thinking, but if uh, Stanford had that legacy already, you clearly, you went there being like, I want to be part of the best. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we went to Stanford, my parents' eyes would get big and be like, Carrie, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you know? And That's cool like, that they wanted you oh, to go there. Yeah. You know? And so it was really rad that they believed in me and they gave me the tools like, Carrie, you, you can't just be an athlete. You have to be more than that. You have to be a great student. You have to bust your ass and be really disciplined. Um, and do you want it? They could clearly see that I wanted it and that I had more in me. That makes sense. But so everyone who's listening is clear. You went to Stanford and played indoor volleyball. You played indoor volleyball up until 2001. And you said that you played against the U.S. indoor volleyball team in 96 before they went to the Olympics. So and that was your first time thinking, oh, that was that was the first time you thought, oh, I might want to go play in the Olympics. Well, it was just my first interaction with the next level. Got it. You know, I had been in Team USA in the developmental pipeline um, since I was, I think, 14 or something like that. But you're just kind of always with your group. Yes. You know, because it's just the difference between a 16-year-old and even an 18-year-old is drastic. You know, I mean, you know this. And so it's just, I just had to keep leveling up. And that was my first taste of, of the next level. And then, you know, prior to that, like, my first remembrances of the Olympics was the the dream team in 92. You know, that's why I wore number nine, Mia Hamm and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wore number nine in the Olympics, but playing against the national team, it was actually just after the Atlantic Olympics and they were pissed off because they didn't perform well. (laughs) I think they took it out on us, but um, that just happened, you know, and I feel like stuff like that happens in my life where if I like think about like, why am I in this position now? Oh, well, maybe four years ago when I got my ass kicked by the indoor team at planted a seed and I I wanted more, you know? Totally. So you you, just, you got your ass kicked in 96, but then you go on to make the 2000 Olympic team. And your first Olympics was actually indoor. Volleyball. It was. Yes. And what yes. was that like for you? That experience? It was largely rad. You know, I mean, representing our great country is amazing. And I love my team. Um, it's It was bittersweet, but, you know, 
gosh, there's so many things to say. So I had a false positive doping test. Really? At, at the Sydney Games. And they pulled me aside. We had just warmed up for the game, our first match of the Olympics. Um, and my coach pulled me aside saying, Carrie, you can't play. Oh you tested gosh. positive for something. And I literally like... I was like, you got the wrong girl. Did you? Like, did your blood uh, go ice cold? Did you just freeze? I was so inside? confused. Uh, I was, and I like a month before I we were playing in China, and I blew out my ankle, and I had busted my ass to come back, and it was just. And they told me they're like, you have to tell your team that your ankle hurts and you can't play. And I was like, um, they know me. <laughs> they know that's not what's going on. Oh my goodness. And I was just a wreck. And so I had to suffer through that. And they told me to go home. They're like, we can't help you. If we help you, it's conflict of interest. Like it was literally like, get out of here, kid. And that broke my soul in so many different ways. My mom like is the biggest warrior I know. And she went to town and, and solved the problem. But I carried a lot of resentment, a lot of heartbreak because of that. I was able to play. I think I missed the first two, maybe three. I can't remember exactly. Three matches. Um, and then I was able to play. We finished fourth. Amazing. And you guys, you had to solve that while you were at the games. Oh, yeah. Like I was at midnight meetings. <gasps> I We had to find scientists and lawyers. And like I, I remember practicing being like literally walking in circles being like what what am I doing I could not I was so confused my team like they knew something was up but I couldn't tell them like oh it was just it was goodness. the worst and they let you continue to practice with the team but they wouldn't let you play in the first they did games. yeah yeah and they yeah and I just couldn't tell anybody I had to tell them it was my ankle and everyone's like you're practicing like what are you <laughs> what's happening so I finally got solved I had I got to do a blood test they realized it was naturally occurring in my body that it had always been there okay had they done one inch of digging they would have seen this wow so it was all for naught. But without that heartbreak, I wouldn't have moved the moved to beach volleyball. I was about to There's say, no so way. did that contribute to the decision to go from indoor to beach? 100 million percent. Okay. Because yeah. you, you left that Olympics and then how soon after were you like, no, I'm, I'm done with this. Well, I'm going somewhere else. You know, I mean, obviously in the quadrennial life, um, the next Olympics was four years down the road. Yes. So I didn't feel like I had to make that decision with regard to Team USA, but I did not want to go play overseas to make a living. And it's like eight months being away from home and yeah. I didn't want to do that. And so I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? But I was willing to do that because I didn't want to give up volleyball. But my, my soul was crushed. And then at the Olympic Games, Misty's parents and my parents hung out at the USA house and they had like a little date and they created this master plan of getting us girls together no and way. having a tryout. And because of that conversation um, in early, I think it was January of 2001, I drove down, I was training at Stanford. I was going to school at Stanford, finishing up. I drove down and had a tryout. That changed my entire life. So when you say tryout, what do you mean by that? Because yeah. <laughs> My understanding is that you just are a good volleyball player. You have there's another good volleyball player. You guys text each other, you say let's be partners and then you the other person says okay and then you become partners. No. Well, I think generally that happens, okay. but usually I mean Okay, but Misty was the best in the world, you know? So yes. her process might be a little bit more <laughs> Sure, she needed to vet. This. Yeah, well her parents did. And okay. so basically it was just a day of volleyball. Like it was that casual. We just played matches. No drills, no no guidance, like Carrie Misty go play. Okay. And then her parents were there and her parents were her coaches and um and Misty was looking for a change because okay. she wanted to grow in the game with someone her own age. And so yeah, it was just like my world was shifting, Misty's world was shifting. I had literally avoided playing beach volleyball my entire life. Okay, like, I was about to ask. being like, I'm not going to go over there because I'm going to look like a, an idiot. Really? Why did you think that? Because it was the truth. <laughs> 
again. Well, you obviously did. You obviously did well enough. Well, it was shallow sand at Huntington Beach, which was very helpful because that's like the equalizer. So it was just a really good day. It was like I literally was on the verge of a panic attack the entire time. Like so like because you were so nervous. Totally. And I wanted it. Like, I didn't realize I wanted it before that. But driving down, like, I remember having a moment where I could literally hear my heartbeat out of my chest. And you can see, you know, when you're so nervous, your shirt is like... (laughs) Bouncing. I'm pretty sure I've done some interviews where I'm like, oh my God, can everyone see that my heart is pounding out of my chest? Totally. Yeah. You have that little slight shake in your hand. Yeah. So that was happening the whole time. But I just played, you know, and we were like, when we were in the points, I was just in the points, you know, and just like busting my ass and doing, I feel like what I do best is hustle. Yeah. You know, so I was just in it and we had some kind of synergy and rhythm and it was fun. And certainly I had so much raw potential. <laughs> and so I think they saw that, which was good. Yeah, for sure. So the tryout goes well. So at what point did she call you? Did you get a text being like, do they even, they probably didn't have, te- do they have texting back then? No, well, <laughs> I think I had a flip phone for sure. <laughs> totally. She T9 texted you. Um, so, so at oh what gosh. point after that one day of just playing did you say, all right, let's make this official. Let's be partners. You know, she had signed up for some tournaments with Holly. So, and that was like a couple months down the road and I was going to be nowhere near ready. And I was still going to Stanford. And so I drove down every weekend, I'm pretty sure. And I, okay. I would live with Misty. Wow. That's dedication. Then, that's not a, that's not a short drive. No. So you were trained, you would drive down and train with her, but she yeah. was still competing with somebody else. Yeah. And that like kind of took the pressure off a little bit, you know, cause she was still committed, still focused. We, I can't remember how soon after we had that tryout that they're like, yeah, well, let's make a go of this. Cause she didn't tell the partner she was playing with yet. You know, and it's just such a tricky thing. Oh, it's the most it's awkward su- thing. I'm so thankful. Is. I'm not a beach volleyball player because of that. Yeah. So, well, she eventually breaks up with Holly. Yeah. Right? And then yes. you guys, and then I, I literally, our first tournament we were in, Cagliari, Italy, like an island off Italy. And I submitted my final Stanford paper while I was Italy. Fax machine. I remember it took forever to go through. And then I was like, ah, I'm free. You're free. And I missed graduation. And um, yeah, and it was just go. And we traveled the world together going to at least 10 to 15 tournaments a year together around the world, just her and I living out of suitcases and getting to know each other. Like it was the coolest. And did you guys have initial chemistry on and off the court? Or do you think that it was a overtime build sort of thing? I think it was very helpful that we're the same age, for sure. We had on the court chemistry, no doubt. Off the court, yeah, I think we we're comfortable being quiet. Yeah. And then the second year we were together, her mom passed away. And she, you know, she had been sick. And um, and so we went through that together. And I feel like I was one of Missy's support systems. For sure. And that for sure brought us together, you know. So I feel like that really, really solidified us. Not for that sure. we didn't have issues after that. But going through life stuff together, obviously that intimacy and that depth and trust is formed. And yeah. that served us forever. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to beach volleyball, it's you and one other person. The, the closeness, you just can't get around. You have to have that to be successful. I really believe you have to. Yeah. No, absolutely. I don't know how you would enjoy, how you could be successful with somebody that you didn't enjoy or like, like as a person. 
no, it's true. But it happens all the time because people are like, I'm going to settle for the lack of connection because we're good athletes together. Makes sense. It's a small community. Yes. And if you do connect with someone as a as a partner and a friend, like that's a beautiful gift because totally. that's not normal. And it's worth fighting for. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it worked for you guys. And you yes. went on the most insane run. You yes. In 2003, you went at a then record 90 matches in a row, including the world championship. So fun. And then you go on to the 2004 Olympics and you don't drop a single set in all seven matches, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And you take home gold. So what were your what was your mindset going into those games? That was the first time you were going to be going in one as partner with Misty May and in a not new sport, but new yeah. silo. What do you what do you want to call it? Discipline of the sport there you in, go. in beach volleyball. So yeah, what was your mindset going into those games? Well, we first of all we got together in two thousand one, and so we had three years of traveling, four really three and a half seasons of traveling the world, competing against the best. The first two years were really up and down, and by the time we got to Athens, we were just ready. Like we were winning a lot, like you said, and we were firing at all cylinders. We were young and hungry and confident, and it was just the most fun, and. The pressure was like pressure that like made you like smile. Really? You know? Yeah. Because we're like, no, we, we know better, <laughs> you know? And, and this is how it should be. And it, it just like, when I think of Misty and I in Athens, for some reason, I want to think of a, like a Michael Jordan, like when he's like screwing with his competitors. Not that we did that. Basically, it felt like we can't lose. We're, we're too good. We've, we're too in sync. We've got this. It's almost like this is, this is fun. This pressure is fun because we know we're going to come out on top. In the end. Yeah. We never once thought about losing ever. We don't talk about losing ever. Missy's dad was like, you guys, a 21 to five match is too close. And we carried that mentality with us through our whole 10 years together. Wow. But certainly in Athens, because it was our first time together, the, the pressure wasn't as big as trying to repeat, you know, and when you live a life and you get more experience, um, so we came with that determination and we literally want to crush people down and we did and it was awesome. I think that's one hilarious 21 to five is too close <laughs> of a score line. Because, and we agreed. <laughs> yeah, that's like basically nine zero in soccer, nine to one in soccer. <laughs> so y- you guys, you guys crush, you guys are on top of the world. You go on the next four years and completely dominate again over and over, you go into 2008 Olympics and you've won 101 consecutive matches in a row. And everyone wants to break that streak. So how was 2008 different than 2004? When I think about it, it's like you won before. So is the pressure, are you guys still having that pressure of, oh, this is smiles, like we're going to win? Or are you feeling more stressed because you have something that you need to double down on. You need to back it up. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting because like immediately after Athens, it was like, okay, we're doing this again. <laughs> we're going to go and kick ass. And so we had this focus of four years out what we wanted to do. And we both lived that journey to Beijing very differently. So I got married in at the end of 05. At early 2006, I was pregnant. Okay. Nine weeks in, I had a miscarriage. And that crushed me. 
-hmm. But because I couldn't get pregnant right away, the decision was made for me that we're going to basically wait till after Beijing. Got it. And so everything became about winning. Like I just could not enjoy where I was because I wasn't winning gold yet. And so for four years, I was just so fixated on winning that we won a lot and it was so fulfilling. And Missy and I were super tight. And our coach, Troy Tanner, was so amazing. Like our little trio was so on point, but my life was suffering. And that reared its ugly ugly head right after Beijing. And um, the walls came crashing down, but we won. (laughs) You won in Beijing. Do you think that it was unhealthy that you won in 2004? And do you think winning in 2004 made you almost just like yearn and strive towards another gold and that's all that you were fixated on like you said like that's and you you found that to be unhealthy well i don't think the winning of the gold made me that way i think i think the lack of balance in my life made me that way mm-hmm. i was going through stuff i didn't even know how to navigate and the focus became winning everything um do you think that because things were falling apart outside of the lines of sand volleyball court. That's what made you so focused and just win at all costs because that was the only thing that you could control. Maybe for, for sure. You know, I didn't realize my life was falling apart. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact perfect storm of, I wanted it. I wanted to win with all my heart and for sure winning makes you greedy, you know, and I knew that Misty and I could be just so dominant. And so, I mean, all of those things for sure, but it's just like, you know, there's a, there's a way to win. There's a way to lose. You spoke about excellence earlier. And to me, it's so hard to speak to because it's a feeling, you know, and like going and I, yeah. So I don't know. The feelings were a lot and I don't know, I was immature, you know, and I just like, how do you handle these things? And when you're an athlete, when you can't control anything, yeah, you for sure go internal. Yeah. Like I, I know how to focus on what I can control. True. I know how to show up and set the tone and do these things. And I think I just had to live that, you know, and and realize that dude, Carrie, you might be going through this, but there's another human, (laughs) right? And what you, your choices of what to do and don't do impact them. Mm -hmm. So don't be so self-absorbed, like be compassionate, share your grief which I didn't do because I didn't know how to and lean on your people, yeah. you know, and I, I learned that because I didn't do it in one of the hardest times in my life. And so winning that gold was awesome. It made me happy for about 30 seconds oh, and then my life fell apart. And then it was like two years of learning the lessons of everything I had neglected. All right, all my mimosa lovers out there, do I have a treat for you. Have you tried Oza? They're ready to drink mimosas and blinis in a can. And I'm here to tell you from firsthand experience, they are very, very good. And if I'm being honest, I was actually pretty skeptical because I'm not a big mimosa person. I really just think of it as like a brunch drink, but Oza changed my mind. They come in three flavors, the classic orange, which is my personal favorite, peach bellini, and then mango mimosa. And they're great for any occasion, brunch, beach, or watching your favorite sports games on TV when they happen. Sad panda. They're made with sparkling wine and real juice, which is why they're so flavorful. Oza is available in the Northeast, including at Whole Foods. You can also order online from just about anywhere in the U.S. Visit ozamimosas.com slash JWS and get 10% off your first order with code JWS. Cheers, y'all. So, but you win in 2008 Mm -hmm. with Misty. 
And after 2008, you give birth to your first child. Were you yeah. pregnant at those games or were you, did you get pregnant right after? We got pregnant in Beijing. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you have, you have your first child and... I, so I got pregnant back to back. Oh, cool. So it basically gave you kind of this pause in your career. It did. I, so I, got, I had Joey and then I was back to the court right away and I played um, in between the time I had Joey and where I couldn't play anymore with Sundance. Got it. So I played in a couple of tournaments before the boys and then once Sundance was born, it was like, I want L- London. When you got pregnant back to back, at any point, did you think about retiring or were you always thinking no. I'm having these kids and or I'm starting a family, but I'm going to keep playing much longer? The dream was traveling circus because my husband cool. plays pro beach volleyball. Okay. So, and we did that for two okay. years okay. until the kids weren't free anymore. Okay. So plan was to always keep playing. Yeah. Which is super cool. So how, how, um, how much time was there between having Sundance and going into 2012 Olympics? So Sundance was born May 19th, 2010. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so you had yeah, two, so two I, year lead up. Two year lead up. Misty had retired. Or she was like getting ready to, I can't remember. And then, so I chose another partner to go to London with. I was fully committed with Nicole Brandon, okay. who's a dear friend. Okay. And then Misty changed her mind. <laughs> uh. So I remember Misty called me and she's like, Carrie, I've talked to you. And Misty, that's like unheard of. And I thought I had pissed her off in some way, in some article or something. Cause you know, it's really touchy. All Wait, before things. you tell the story, can you yeah. tell me how she told you she was planning on retiring. What was that? I think like? she just said it. You just, but no, okay. so I can't remember. I re- when I, what I do remember, I remember distinctly, but I think I remember when she retired and I was picking a partner being like, missed, are you done? You know, like for real, because I'm going to, I'm going to move on. You wanted to keep and, going and she, yes. Okay. Fully committed. Yeah. And so she, yeah, she was like, I'm done. And it was super casual. You know, I was like, Oh my God, I was so excited for her. Totally. Um, and so I made the choice to play with someone else. And then a couple months after, like, I think it was February of 2011, which is the start of the qualification period, Misty had a change of heart. And she called me and left me a message. I need to talk to you. And we talked on the phone. And I was like, hey, well, let's meet in person. Because I had all these questions. Because, you know, I'm like, I need to be able to trust. If I'm going to go and devastate this human being, like, I need to be able to trust that you're a million percent in. Like, you want this as badly as, as required. Like, you know how what it takes. Like For sure. You cannot be looking in any other direction. And we had this conversation and it was really emotional one. She was very open and like those things are like life to me. And so she came back, things changed. I could not, I could not say no, you know, but I prayed on it. I talked to my advisors. I did not make it willy nilly because Nicole Branna is an amazing human and deserves honesty and truth. And so I remember I called Nicole. And I was like, hey, can we meet up for coffee? I sat outside um, and I grabbed her hand and said, she's like, what's up? She could tell I was rattled. I'm like, I'm about to break your heart. Oh, geez. Oh, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my professional life, like times a bajillion. Because I, I was not lying to her when I said I'm committed. I, I did not lie to her when I said we can win and I believe in us and I'm all in, you know, and then just things shifted mm-hmm. and it was misty. Oh, <laughs> so. So you guys get back together and you go into 2012 how how was the reunion of the two of you? Did you did you yeah. go back into your old ways? Did you click very quickly? It was easy or was there an adjustment period the second time around? It was it was super easy. 
Um, that being said, one of the first things, I, one of the really important things for me before we agreed to move forward, I'm like, Miss, I want us to work with a performance psychologist. Cool. She was willing to do that for me, which is nice because that's not her her shtick, you know? And then 2012 rolled on. She didn't want to see him anymore. Really? And so I kept seeing him. Yeah, but it was like we had the foundation. Totally. Um, but the second tournament back in 2011, Misty tore her meniscus. And we didn't, we were in China. She went down in the semifinals or finals and she was bawling. And Misty does not ball. And we're getting carried off. We're going to see the physio. And she's like, she looked up at me and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what oh, are no. you talking about? She, I'm, I'm literally the first words out of my mouth, Kelly, were like, if we don't play one more match, I am just so grateful that we were reunited. Aww. And then Misty's Misty and she bounces back like a champion and better than ever. And 2011 was great. We won a lot. Um, we were in the contention a lot. 2012 was a poop show. <laughs> Leading into the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys, I guess, were underdogs for the first time. I mean... Ish. Are you going to concede on that and say that no, you're underdogs yeah. or no? Did you guys feel that <laughs> way? We, uh, we felt like we had something to prove because okay. we weren't the number one seed, certainly. Okay. Um, and we didn't. We didn't deserve the number one title that year. But we knew what was inside of us. So we knew who we were. We, we literally forgot who we were for most of 2012. Interesting. We literally lost our mojo. It's like an Austin Powers movie. And then we found it together. At the Olympics? <laughs> right. No, like we won the last tournament pre-London. And that was the shift. Okay. And the just the method of going there, we had some weird matches. We always stuck together. Our coach just kept firing us up. And he's like, okay, that was great. Now, can you do it again? You won again. Okay, now can you do it? And we just were started, like this tension was building and this like confidence was building. Then we won. And then we had three weeks of training at home where we were just so balls to the wall. So in our little sacred circle, my husband was training against every day, just sharpening our tools. And it was so fun and lighthearted. And we turned the corner. Like whatever we were lacking, it was emotional and which played into our mental kind of like constriction. Mm -hmm. And we lost it in those three weeks. And then it was game on. So you head into London feeling confident, even though you Very. hadn't been all year. Yeah. And you win again. Yeah. Which is just insane. Three gold medals in a row, I wish. Um, <laughs> well, still retire. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> but so this, it's your third Olympics. You're defending two back-to-back -back gold medals. What's your mindset this time? We're just going to win. We have, some, we have something to prove because we haven't shown it this year. What is, what is it? What are you feeling this time? You know, it's because 2012 was so weird for us, like so not normal, not winning. Um, we did the hard work before London, you know, and then we turned that corner and I felt it every day. Like I literally had this knowing like we <laughs> got this. Isn't that the best? We got it. It's the, I, I want that. <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm working toward that because Misty, most of our career, we won the match before we got out there because of because of who we were together like we just had this knowing and this trust and we could be down 11 points and you're still dead like you're gone you know and so i had that 100% in london i like i had that and it was shocking to me that i had it kind of and mm -hmm. there was a tentativeness in the first couple matches that were not misty but she's such a gamer and she's so legit and she's just so persistent you know so she just we just stuck together and then it was game over once we got to the playoff rounds. Like Misty was next level and it was just game over. We got really challenged in the semifinal match, getting our ass kicked. I was about to ask about that. So we were down 14-7 against the number one team in the world. And that year, the Chinese were awesome. Mm -hmm. They were the number one hands down. I have a distinct 
uh, memory within the match of we're getting our ass kicked. It's a timeout, but I felt their nerves. I felt really? their discomfort. Like, you know, that sixth sense we have totally. when you're like on point. I felt it and missing. I talked about it and it was just, we just outlasted. And that's what we did better than anyone, you know? And then once you like crack the armor, and you stick together, like people start falling apart, you know, and we never fell apart, which was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Even if we lost, we didn't fall apart. You know, like we were just always coming after you and going for your throat. Um, and that's an art form, but it was a huge win. And to me, we weren't going to lose. No way. Do you have any specific thing that you can point out that you were like, oh, they're nervous? No, it was you just like, feel it in the air. I, gosh, I remember looking through the net and just like, they, I mean, they were dominating. We couldn't do anything right and they couldn't do no wrong. And I just remember looking at them being like, no, nope, they're not, they're not sound. And I just, I just, I, I felt it. I don't know what to say. I just felt it in the, a couple of interactions and eye contact and these things. And, and I think I was looking for it because it's like you have, you know, when you're down, it's like, I need to use everything I have, like every ounce of my everything. And it just showed up. Makes you know, sense. I, don't know. Yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. But so you think that the semifinal match against China was not more difficult, but it was just, it was a completely different feeling than playing yeah. that final because you played China in the finals of 2008. Yes. So it's kind yeah. of like you, you, you got over that hurdle of who you yeah. typically play in the final and then you're playing another American side. Yeah. And that, I mean, were you nervous? Were you like, oh my gosh, if we lose, yeah. we're losing to an American, like, is it worse to lose to an, another American team or another country? Because I, you know, I would feel like it'd be worse to lose to another American team. Yeah. No disrespect to the team we play in the finals, April and Jen, who are incredible. And that was more stressful than the Chinese match, actually, because you, like another American team, you're like, get out of here. <laughs> like, we're the team. You know, it's a different emotional battle. For sure. I was just going to say it's like 50-50, but it might be 60-40 worse. Yeah. But, you, you know, obviously you want ugh, you want your country to be the best. Totally, totally. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's just really petty, but it's honesty. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is petty. Yeah. No, I feel you on that. And that's, it's, yeah. it's so true. Well, you win, and yeah. but you were pregnant during 2012. Yeah. I feel like scouty. the Olympics is just like your <laughs> <That's> thing. magical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm you just always trying to thread the needle. Yeah, know? exactly. It's well, like, it's true. I mean, as a female athlete, you kind of have, especially if you're trying to start a family, like you kind of have to because you have to time it perfectly. Totally. And that was the perfect timing. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, you guys win gold. You're pregnant. You have your third child post-Olympics. Misty retires. At this point, are you thinking... I'm done competing or are you still, you want more? You always want, want more. more. I always want more. Freaking yeah. Well, it. like on the sand, yeah, until you don't, and then I'll be <laughs> yeah. done. Um, on the sand in London, out of nowhere, we're hugging April and Jen after the match. I hug April and I literally say, no, let's go win gold in Rio. No way. It was like I was possessed. Don't know where that came from. Wow. You know, I knew Misty was retiring. Okay. So obviously there were, and the volleyball world's so small. Like I knew who I'd want to play with, mm -hmm. but it came out of my mouth. You know, and, and then leading up to Rio, that was the conversation that all the me media outlets had, which hurt Misty. That which you hurt so that sad. you hurt Misty. Because it's like, wait, were we a team at that point or were you ready to play with April? Because you said that. Because I said that. 
Oh, that's Damn. so interesting. Yeah, and Jen, her April's partner is retiring. Misty was retiring, so all of that was Made established. Sense. Yeah. So, but anyhow, we're you know we're human, and these things hurt us, and so that plays into my guilt too. But no, so I was clearly already ready to go to Rio to win. Yeah, while you, while in London, that is that's slightly incredible. obnoxious. No, it's not. It's not obnoxious because people ask me about World Cup wins, and I've always said that. As soon as we win, I'm thinking about the Olympics the next year because for us, it's back yeah. to back and literally on the field, standing on the field where the crowd's still there, everyone's celebrating. And I'm thinking, oh, in a year, we got to go win Olympic gold. So I, I get yeah, it. That's right. It, it makes sense. Um, so you end up partnering with April Ross, which mm-hmm. you <laughs> decided on <laughs> right when you ended 2012. Um, and you guys, worked together four years, head into 2016, into Rio. What what did that feel like going into an Olympics without Misty and with a different partner? Like, was it, did you have a different mentality? Again, this is your fourth time doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, well, first of all, like after Misty and I won in London, I did not want to let go of her hand. Like, you know how you do the post game, like interviews and mm-hmm. I, like every picture is like, <laughs> like Misty, don't For leave. Sure. Cause it was just, fuck, man, it was just, it was so heavy and so beautiful. And if you like, after we won, if you look at me on the podium or like, I can't even control myself. Like really, it was so emotional to me. Cause it was just that part of our lives together was over. Like, and I just, I had, I live, I just love her so much. And I just so enjoyed our last two years together, our whole career, but the last two years were so meaningful. And so that was devastating. I had to grieve it and I did it in real time, you know, and then, you know, and the, I, I feel like when you live things sincerely, you can transition faster. At what point did Misty say, I'm, I'm retiring after London? Early. Got like, it. So it was, yeah. When you guys yeah. decided to go to London, she said, I want to go one more time. Yeah. So you knew this was, this yes. was like the, the victory lap with you two. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and it was awesome, you know, and it's just, and it was really meaningful her cause she, you know, her career is, was wrapping up and I'm so, it's so rad. She got the ending she deserves and to be part of that was just so special. So, so yeah. So moving on to April, I was ready mentally. I, and emotionally I had grieved Misty, but Misty's with me, you know, so I take Misty with me everywhere I go. Certainly she was with me as I partner with April and April's just super easy she's a worker. She is a tasker. She wants to dominate. She wants to win. She believes she will. It was so easy to play with her. Yeah. So going with April was awesome. Mm-hmm. The easiest part was training and being on the court with her. Um, like our kind of connection off the court was awesome, easy, not a lot of depth, um, but doesn't mean that the love wasn't real and the respect totally. wasn't real, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. How was it? I remember watching you in Rio in 2016. Um, we had lost at that point in the quarterfinals. So <sighs> we didn't even get to the village or to Rio. Oh, man. But you guys lose in the semis, mm-hmm. This, which is the first time that's happened to you yeah. in your Olympic career in beach. Beach, yeah. You, you end up going on and getting a bronze medal, which is no easy feat because you you come off of a huge loss. And so, you know, the the dream of a gold medal is, is over, but now you have to turn around and go for a bronze. That's something you'd never had to do before. So how did you go through that? It was harder than I can ever put into words. It's like, and it might sound dramatic to people who this isn't their living, but it was just so, it was so devastating. Like that's not even exaggerating. It was just, it was so confusing. It was just like, (laughs) 
what the F just happened? There's mm-hmm. a lot of shame involved because I had a real tough night and I just was, I, I, the hardest part about that loss was walking outside and like my parents didn't know how to handle me. My whole crew, like they, you know, there was, there's so much love, but like there was no eye contact. Uh, you know, I, I, I forced myself and I wanted to, to go over to April's family and friends. And it was so hard for me to look at them in their eyes. And all I could say was, I'm sorry. You know, and it just, it, it just hurt me so badly to, I feel like, you know, again, everything I do affects other people. And so I just, that was really heavy on me and the way I framed it was not healthy. And so the 24 hours between matches was just, it was horrific. So how it did you, how did you like put on your uniform and go back out there? And well, my husband was my hero, dude. I, he stayed with me all night and he, I bawled all night. I, oh. I maybe slept maybe two hours. Like I was just like, and he just held me. And at some point I can't, and I, I had a video session scheduled with my coach in the morning. So I could like try to transition into my mindset. Um, but my husband, he's like, Carrie, he's like, you got it. You got to stop this. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous at this point because you get to fight for a medal and you're an American and the American spirit is you're going to go and kick their ass True. and do not forget who you are. And he just would say these things and he made it, he took it, my, my focus off of me and made it broader. Like think about your partner, think about your family, Mm -hmm. think of all your army behind you, your country and go for sure. And that helped me so much, you know, and he made me realize I was just wallowing and I couldn't get out of it. Like I was still, I was still numb and still whatever devastated, but that helped me turn the corner, you know, and April, you know, lived it her own way. Um, was there, was there, did you guys come together the day of and sort through emotions or were you both just kind of like, we're both going to handle this. However, we're going to handle it, compartmentalize and go out and try to win. Yeah. Well, we each had video sessions. We didn't hang out together during the day. Cause it's like, we finished, I mean, I didn't sleep that night. She yeah. didn't sleep that night. So we're just trying to like recover and get our minds right. We had a team video session, um, like we did before every match at some point that was like our first coming together. Mm-hmm. I just remember before, you know, when you're in your, kind of your holding area, we warm up, we're in the holding area, getting ready to go out. My, our coach, Marcia Sicoli, who's incredible. He's like, you guys, whatever happens tonight, whether you're up by a billion or you're down by 15, like just stick together. Mm-hmm. Like he, he kept saying that, like that was the one thing he wanted to get across to us. The first game and a half is happening. And it's kind of how the night before ended, not good volleyball, getting our butts kicked, like just really just disconnected. Mm-hmm. And at some point, halfway through game two, we're losing. April comes up to me, grabs my hand. I'm just like being a robot. Like just, I have to win. I have to score. Like like not, I'm all there, but I'm not all there. And she stops me, grabs my arm and like makes me look in her face and her eyeballs. And that was it. Like that changed I love everything. That. And then we'd never turn back from there. That's dope. Just stick together. Totally. I mean, Same thing with my marriage. Like it's just <laughs> like the best piece of a marriage advice ever, Kelly. It's when you want to run away from each other, you mm-hmm. have to run toward each other. And I love that. And it's the hardest thing in the world. You have to run on a track that's circular so you'll get to the other side. You think you're running <laughs> exactly. away, but you just come back around. That's true. Yeah, maybe Surprise. I'll look at that because that space is important too when things are hard. It's true, yeah. So you win bronze, which is obviously, I mean, I didn't get a medal so in dope. 2016, so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> After 2016, was there any point where you thought about retiring or were you all in again on 2020? Well, it took me, I I mean, after we won, there's so much relief. And after a win, like the last thing I want to feel is relief. Because then it's like, ooh, we eked by. Really? I don't I feel relief every time I win. Yes. Oh yeah. Because I understand that every tournament a major tournament, you're on a knife's edge of like if one thing goes wrong. Yeah. 
you could lose and it's over in the blink of an eye. And everything has to go right to win. So there is some sort of relief because I do think there's a yeah. there is a bit of no, you're right. But I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. But I don't I don't think of it that way. I feel like if we can handle our shit, we're fine. <laughs> like we got it. You know. No, that's true. You probably have a better mental fortitude than I do, if I'm being honest. Do you think that you still have the same competitive fire? Do you think it's evolved over time? What do you what do you think? Oh, what a question. Let me start by saying I think this pause, this delay in the Olympics, and I haven't played, I haven't practiced since mid March. This is the longest I've ever been without playing volleyball, even when I'm nine months pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. So this has served such a great purpose to rebuild that fire. That's a and you feel like this pause has, deal. has rebuilt it for you. 100% because I miss it. And I haven't been able to miss it for, for 30 years <laughs> so <laughs> since true. I started. So I think as you get older, like you, you can hear Kobe talk about it and Jordan. It's like, and you can probably relate, like, at, you know, after you played for so long, it gets harder to get up mm-hmm. for things. And I love training. You know, it's it's interesting where it's almost like I'm to a point in my career where competing almost pisses me off in a like and not in a good way. Like I used to be pissed off for greatness and now it's just kind of an irritant. And do I don't know where that came from. Do you think it's you're irritated because you're like, man, I'm the best and I've proved I'm the best, but I gotta keep proving <laughs> that I'm the best. Maybe. Well, I, I assume there's some fear behind that, which is just lame. So I wanna whatever address that. But I think that the appreciation that I have, because I've been away from the game, not by choice, and the hunger that's being re ignited, like I'm not satiated, like I want more. Those are awesome. My motivations, like throughout my career, it's always been to be the best I could be. That's been very consistent. But like my desire for the game certainly has waned over the years. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't love it, but it's just like, my gosh, it takes a lot, you know, and in everything. Yeah. And you have to want it. Yeah. It's a big emotional and mental toll. Yes. Yeah. Cause there's so many ups and downs, you know, and everyone's like, oh, it's just sport. And you're like, screw you. I spent 60 hours a week and, you know, eight weeks away from my family in a row. Like this matters, you know? And so, uh, anyhow, yeah. So very fired up. I've always, even at my lowest, I was pretty fired up to be honest, but like, I, I'm such a bad faker, bad actor. Like mm-hmm. I just want it to be authentic and a hundred percent. And it's, it's there. Happy to say. Are you able to turn your competitive side on and off? Or do you think that you're competitive in all aspects of life? Because you're just, you're this smiling assassin. You're like, the, <laughs> you're like a golden retriever that turns into a pit bull, I feel like. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> it's a good thing. That could have been way worse. No, it's a good thing. <laughs> no, I like it. Um, you know, I, okay, I don't even, I don't know how to answer that. Like we went bowling and I was pissed I didn't win. My son beat all of us, first of all. I beat him the second two games. No, I don't I don't think I can turn off. Let me let me just be honest. Like That's I can't let my son beat me in volleyball. And when I'm playing a horse, I can't. Or or he, bowling. Or bowling. <laughs> so no, I think I'm just competitive by nature. I think it's fun. I think a lot of people might think I'm obnoxious because I'm trying to win all the time, but it's like, what the hell? Like, well, if, yeah, if you're not trying to win, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you playing? This is not for poops and giggles. Like it is, but winning like is that times ten, so so true. I, I agree. All right. <laughs> At the end of every conversation, we do these repeat questions. So the first one is hard work versus luck. How much of success mm. is predicated on luck? I don't believe in luck. 
Really? I, at all? I don't know. I believe in law of attraction. I do, okay. Yeah. So I feel like what you focus on is what you invite in your life. I feel like what you what your soul wants to grow through, you invite in your life. I feel like everything is momentum and energy. And so I feel like the luck that comes is like you spent your time obsessing, thinking positively, like knowing this was coming and you manifested that moment that showed up as luck. But I believe it's just more momentum carrying on from the work you've put in. I love that, that answer. So yeah. 100% hard work. 100%. But and hard work is not just like, I'm going to go kick my butt in the gym or on totally. the court on the field, right? It's like the mental stuff. And it's like that. It's so interesting. Like you can want something too bad, right? And you can suffocate it. Um, and you can over effort, you know, and then you're just not in the moment. And so I just feel like luck is just kind of the magic space where you have positive expectation and you just go to work with that expectation. And then it turns out, you know what I'm saying? I do. I totally do. Because okay. I feel like that's something that you talked about to bring it back to what we talked about in the beginning. In that speaking engagement, you talked a lot about manifestation mentality. And I really vibe with that. I love that. I believe in that. And I think it's so important. And I think that makes a, I think a lot of athletes probably believe that, but maybe don't see it as plainly as you do or as specifically as you do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I've listened to a lot of people, so I feel like I can articulate my understanding of that. Yeah. And, it, and my life has shown me that that's the truth. For sure. Like I believe heaven on earth and hell on earth are here <laughs> on this planet. And I think mm -hmm. it's all what I make of it. You know what mm. I'm saying? And I feel like athletes in general are problem solvers, the elite of the elite. We all focus on the solution, you know, and I feel like you work your butt off in combination with that. And then you get self-worth and self-confidence and then these expectations and all of that leads to the manifestation. Yes. all the You know, it's not just together. daydreaming. Yeah. It's like, I'm taking care of every side of this mm -hmm. because I truly believe and I love it. And hard work to me is fun. Like Michael Jordan to me is the ultimate manifester, you know, and he helped his team to believe more. And, Absolutely. you know, like I want to be that so much. I feel like you have been. Oh, well, I don't... Thanks, Cal. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I don't want to argue for my own limitations. And I just, yeah, that's you know. true. Yeah. All right. So I like that. You're the first person to say 100% hard work, which hard yeah. work with an asterisk and all the other things underneath it. But I like that. You're our first 100%. Ooh, I, okay. That's nice. All right. Thanks. So you're the most decorated beach volleyball player in Olympic history. Congrats. Uh, you have the most career victories. You're so women. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I can't work. wait to get rid of that. I, I need like 16 more. I can do it. You can do it. Oh, that's easy. It's coming. Yeah. You're, you're securely the goat of your sport. Let's just be clear, male or female. So you, are you telling that. me that? That's, that's I, a lot coming from you. I mean, I, me I, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's, that can't be contested, but maybe, maybe <laughs> it is subjective coming from me. Well, I knew I liked you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where, do you want to go next? And how do you keep pushing? I firmly believe the best is yet to come in my competitive career. So I want to live that. And by living that, I want the results to show <laughs> I'm living that meaning I get the fourth gold medal. I Hell become yeah. the winningest. You know, I get those 16 tournaments, whatever I need with Brooke, because we had that expectation and we rose to those expectations. Like I'm so pumped for that. There's so many things that drive me, but like fundamentally what's kept me going for so long and why I'm confident and more playful now with regard to Tokyo um, is I love it. 
Like that is to me the ultimate fuel. Like there is no kryptonite to me that exists with something I love. I can endure and withstand and, you know, keep going. Do you think that you would be pushing as hard if you had the most career wins and you had a fourth gold medal? Like, do you think that you'd still be chasing after what you're chasing after? I'd either be retired. Like, I feel like had April and I won in Rio, I probably would have retired. And I would have been bummed and unretired like most beach volunteers do. <laughs> but no, but Kelly, what I think if I, if I made the choice to be in, I think I'd be in the same spot. Like I just, there's one way to do something and that's with all your heart. So yeah. I, you, I know and, I'd be there. And you still want it. That's and awesome. Well, Carrie, this has been incredible. I really appreciate you taking the time and sitting down and chatting and just telling us your story and giving us a look into your your brain and how your heart works and your mind and just your mentality because um, it's, it's very special and it's different and there's no one else like you. So um, thank you for taking the time. This was, <laughs> this was really enjoyable for me. Well, you're rad. And everything <laughs> you just said to me, thank you. And I feel the same. Like, truly, this was fun. Cool. Good. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also, don't forget to sign up for the Just Women Sports newsletter. It's everything you need to see and know in women's sports delivered straight to your inbox. And while you're at it, also throw us a follow on social. It's at Just Women Sports. Our show is co-produced by Just Women Sports and Boom Integrated, a division of John Marshall Media. Big thanks to our executive producers, Haley Rosen, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lai. John Murray and Sydney Shaw do our research. Post-production is by Jen Grossman and Clint Rhodes. Special thanks to Jesse Louie, Sarah Storm, and Haley Kottmeyer. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. See you next week.